Hello, pod people. I'm DA, and welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we will be discussing this notion of electability as it relates to the female candidates who are running for president. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter to be a part of the discussion. Okay, so let's dive right in. So I was troubled by an article written by Peter Funt in USA Today entitled, Kamala Harris owns a handgun that's disqualifying for a 2020 Democrat in my book, end quote. And Funt essentially lays out the argument that since there is a necessary move towards gun control, especially in the Democratic Party, and Kamala herself has been tough on this issue of needing gun control, then it is hypocritical and very much like a conservative to own a gun. Now I disagree agree with this notion on many fronts, especially since we tend to elect white males to the presidency who have served this nation and not only own guns, are trained to actually use them. But what troubled me the most about this op-ed was the obvious double standard and frankly blatant misogyny. Because in a CBS interview dated March 2018, President Jimmy Carter discussed his strong support for the movements that are advocating for gun reform, as he has, he has always been a vocal opposer of the NRA, since he believes they distort the Second Amendment only to represent gun manufacturers and not the average gun owner. But during the interview, President Carter stated very plainly, in quote, I have owned and used weapons since I was big enough to carry one and now own a handgun, four shotguns, and two rifles, end quote. And yet, even after such revelations, Peter Funt wrote a beautiful op-ed piece on President Carter in September of that same year entitled, Jimmy Carter's Uncommon Decency, end quote where he praised both John McCain and President Carter as genuine heroes and stated that President Carter was, in quote, a uniform example of how to conduct our lives and our government, end quote. And so now we must ask ourselves, what is so different that would allow Peter Fun to praise President Jimmy Carter, a longtime gun owner and advocate of gun reform, but condemn Kamala Harris for the exact same thing? Well, there are two glaring differences. Kamala is black and she is a woman. And this leads us into an important discussion on how we evaluate the electability of a female candidate in comparison to the male candidates. So let's make sure we are all on the same page in understanding what electability means. And according to the dictionary, electability means a candidate being capable of or having a reasonable chance of being elected to public office. They believe this notion of electability or the first recorded use of the word appeared sometime in the 1800s. And since only white males have been president outside of President Obama, the term was used as a tool or talking point to assess whether certain factors about a candidate made them more or less likely to win the presidency. And the assessments ranged anywhere from a candidate's looks to the school they attended to their religious background. So interesting fact, John F. Kennedy was considered electable because of his young, charming, good looks, but not electable because he was a Catholic and at that time only the second Catholic to run for the presidency. So let's fast forward and take a look at our modern races for public office. Since the election of Trump in 2016, a historic 590 women have run for Congress. A whopping 117 women were elected, bringing the number to 127 who are serving in the 116th Congress. With the momentum of more women now holding political office, a historic six women out of the 20 candidates are now running for the presidency in 2020. Now that's reason to celebrate 
great. But as expected, when our nation is faced with the possibility of moving forward or equalizing the playing field to include diversity in spaces that are traditionally reserved or held by white men, the media and voters, well, we struggle with a fair and appropriate narrative that is balanced towards all candidates. We tend to treat women candidates as individuals we don't have to take serious. Good for media buzz, but not much else. But the female presidential candidates aren't just anyone. They are a list of impressive candidates. And so let's look at some of the front runners. Kamala Harris is a Howard University grad and is the first African-American to serve as attorney general for California. And in addition, is a US Senator. Amy Klobuchar is a Yale University and Chicago law graduate who became the first female senator in Minnesota and has served in that position since 2006. Kirsten Gillibrand is a Dartmouth and UCLA law school graduate serving as senator in New York. Elizabeth Warren is a senator from Massachusetts who graduated from the University of Houston and Rutgers Law School. She taught law at the University of Texas, University of Pennsylvania, and Harvard University and was also the special advisor for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau under President Obama. So overall, these are not just any women. They are the best and the brightest of both men and women in this nation, and certainly competitive to their male presidential contenders. But while the focus for the male presidential candidates is largely on their impressive backgrounds and contributions to society, well, here are just some headlines and chatter for the female candidates. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand was asked if she was too nice to take on Donald Trump. One headline for A.B. Klobuchar read, in quote, Amy Klobuchar is Minnesota nice, but is that what Democrats want for 2020, end quote. The media, mainly male journalists, got worked up in a frenzy when Kamala Harris tried on a sequin jacket after a journalist pointed it out to her, because after all, a serious presidential candidate shouldn't be shopping. But my all-time favorite misogynistic comments that I have seen online or from media and political pundits is this prevailing notion that the only way to beat Donald Trump is the Democratic equivalent of Donald Trump because no one is going to vote for a woman as president. So basically, the Democratic candidate should ultimately be a bombastic white male sans the racism and porn stars. Because after all, in the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton far exceeded Trump in both intellect and an impressive policy background. But a Pew Research study found that 47% of women and 52% of men, both mostly white, voted for Trump. Even in conversations that I have had with men and women who voted for Trump over Hillary Clinton, some of the reasons that they have given me are that Hillary Clinton lies. She's too politically ambitious. She married Bill only for political gain. And she's fake. And her husband had affairs. Yet, when I point out the obvious lies that Trump has told and continues to tell and casually mention that he is not even qualified to hold the position of CEO with all his failed businesses, much less president, and running for president was, was ambitious. Oh, and that he has cheated on every wife, including the current third wife without protection while she was pregnant with several porn stars. The reaction is strongly permissive, full of understanding. They attempt to rationalize and somehow find every reason in the 
book to excuse his vile behavior. So what is different? Well, though she is imperfect, more important, Hillary Clinton's a woman. And no matter how much this nation progresses, both men and women are not ready to abandon the unjust, flawed, misogynistic expectation that women should be seen and not heard, barefoot and pregnant, taking care of her domestic duties so that the man in her life can advance. And if she must work and or pursue her own dreams, she must not demonstrate ambition lest she deplete her likability levels. After all, in this nation, only men are allowed to be ambitious and we will all admire them for it. Only men are allowed to be charming and personable. It's endearing when Beto O'Rourke stands on a table or rocks out on a guitar. It's reckless and unprofessional for Kamala Harris to shop. Only the men are allowed to have a political history that is not perfect, are treated with grace, allowed to ask for forgiveness, and are given space to try again and move forward. It's women we cannot allow room for any mistakes, and when they do, well, it's unforgivable. They get one shot and they must be close to perfect. If they messed up, well, they won't get another chance. And we as a nation will use this as an excuse to disqualify any other woman that tries to run the next time. So for the upcoming 2020 presidential election, let's all go ahead and update our narrative. For starters, women can be president. In fact, women can be anything they want. And you will all be happy to know that there is no science that has illustrated that anything in our gender makeup disallows us to perform the duties of the presidential office. So say it three times if you have to. A woman can be president and a successful one at that. Just remember all of the challenges that this nation has faced, enslaving Africans and genociding the native people, two world wars, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Cold War, the Great Depression, and recessions, all domestic and international terrorist attacks, they all happened under a male president. And after each and every challenge, this nation continued to elect male presidents. So if you are willing to give grace to male candidates, then you need to give that same grace to female candidates as well. Stop obsessing over whether any of the female candidates can win over Donald Trump, because they can. And they need to be assumed that they can, since it is up to the voters to decide this. Not to mention, early polls are showing that most of the female candidates can win over Donald Trump. The argument that we need an equally bombastic white male to unseat Donald Trump is a false narrative. It's important to know that millennials, though largely unreliable and we need to change this, has now surpassed the boomer generation as the largest voting bloc. In addition, while the community is simultaneously combating Republican attempts at gerrymandering districts and voter suppression, the Democratic Party is focused on black women as an important voting bloc that will determine the election. Neither Millennials or black women want anyone remotely similar to Donald Trump and want to see the nation progress in its presidential choices. So let's go ahead and let the narrative die right here and right now. Another Donald Trump will not be needed to beat Donald Trump and will harm our country in the long run. For those in the media covering the female candidates, feel free to give less updates when they are crying or showing emotion, what clothes they're shopping for if they are likable. That coverage seems more appropriate for miscongeniality of a beauty contest. We are assessing the candidates for president of the United States. So where they stand on combating gun massacres and the rise in white supremacist terrorism, please do let us know. What jacket they are buying and or wearing, I don't care. Unless of course you will be discussing the wardrobe choices of the male candidates, which you can feel free to also skip. I can go to the style section of a magazine if I wanted to see those updates. 
And for everyone else, men and women both who are looking for any reason to disqualify the women from consideration because you haven't dealt with your underlying feelings of misogyny, but are trying to lie to yourself that it has nothing at all to do with their gender, get out your feelings now. A woman can and will be president. Prepare yourself now. Countries do better when women are treated equally with dignity and participate in positions of leadership. So get yourself together now. A woman can and will be president and our nation will thrive because of it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Millennial Edition, and I look forward to engaging with you all soon.